Thank you, Lord, for that fort that we can uh, rely upon, that we can rely upon that solid rock, Christ. We thank thee, too, that we can <clears throat> offer our tithes and uh, offerings to you. We give them with cheerful hearts, O Lord, that they may honor your son in the work that, and ministry here. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
stage manager also. <laughs> Turn on your hymnals please to page 51, Blessed Assurance. Please stand, page 51, Blessed Assurance.
you. You may be seated. <laughs> Jim says you're on. <laughs> Good morning. Folks look nervous. That must be me. that must be me. <laughs> it's funny. Dar says she says I'm sure in your job you speak to a lot of groups and people, and it's true, but it's something different when you're bringing forth the word of God. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter two today. Actually, we're going to start there in Hebrews chapter two. Hebrews talks about the the supremacy of God, or supremacy of Jesus Christ, the fact that Christ is better, better than the apostles, better than the angels. And in chapter 2, when we begin reading in verse 1, it says, therefore, and that's why it's therefore. As chapter 1 begins to talk about that and talk about Jesus Christ and how, how he's better, it says, because of that, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word, I guess I'm on this mic. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us, by them that heard him, and God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. Let's pray. Father God, unworthy lips are going to speak your word today, and I pray that you would give power, Lord. I pray you'd open our hearts and we'd learn together, Lord, something from your word today that we'd use for your glory, use for your honor. And we'd take away from here, and it would be used to see a soul come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we'll thank you when we see it happen. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to use that verse 3 as our springboard this morning. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? And we're going to look at three things. Our salvation is great three in three ways. It's great first in its cost. It's great secondly in its scope. And thirdly, it's great in its climax, the cost first of this great salvation. You know, isn't it wonderful that, that all any poor sinner needs to know to be saved is that they can repent of their sins toward a holy God and that they can accept that finished work of Jesus Christ as the payment for the penalty of their sin? Isn't that, think about that, isn't, isn't there something wonderful? That song, it always reminds me of that, about that. Salvation is a gift. The Bible tells us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we revel in that truth. We, we, we celebrate it. And yet I wonder how often, and I'll speak for myself, I consider the cost of what that, what that truth costs us. It costs God the brightest jewel in heaven to make possible our salvation. John 3.16, it cost God the most precious jewel in heaven to make John 3.16 possible. The most, I mean, that's a verse we all know. We could probably say it with our eyes closed. <laughs> and yet God did it for the unloved, lovable, should I say. He did it for his enemies. 
Romans 5, 7, and 8 says this, For scarcely for a righteous man one will die, yet peradventure for a good man, good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet wretched, while we were yet despicable, despised his enemies, the Bible tells us that Christ died for us. It cost God his only begotten son to make possible our salvation. It also cost heaven its most precious, precious jewel. Surely I wonder that day if the angels bowed their heads and the cherubim folded their wings and all of heaven went in the morning when it was announced that the pearl of great price, the only begotten son of God, would be leaving heaven's glory for the sole purpose of laying his life down for sinners. It not only cost... It not only cost God his only begotten son, and it not only cost heaven its most precious jewel, but it also cost the son every drop of his precious blood. You know, you think about the path to the cross and every pain that he suffered, every tear that he shed, every heartache that he endured, every miracle that he performed, every good deed that he did, every, every step that he took upon this earth, every lash that was put upon his back, the crown of thorns that was worn upon his head, the scourging, the mocking, the spitting, the, the plucking out of the hairs upon his, his face until that terrible cry of agony, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabachthani, which is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And all these things were necessary that we might be able to call upon the name of the Lord. You know, I was thinking, if Jesus had never prayed that prayer, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as thou wilt, we would have never been able to say, or he would never have been able to say it is finished. And if he never said, never was able to say it is finished, then we would have never been able to find, to be able to call upon the name of the Lord and find salvation. And so this morning, I want to be as bold as to say this, that the most expensive thing in heaven or earth or under the earth, the most expensive thing to God or, or to the angels, the most valuable thing ever known or unknown is that of salvation. And how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? We're purchased through the tremendous, at a tremendous price of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We're redeemed through the power of his shed blood. We're kept because he suffered, because he died, because he was buried, and because he rose again, because he lives, we live. Because he conquered, we conquer. And because he paid the price, we go free. We have redemption through Jesus Christ, and everything that Adam lost, Jesus redeemed. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin, all sin. And how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? That great salvation. One preacher said it this way when he talked about God's greatness. He says, God's mercy is so great that he forgives great sins committed by great sinners over a great period of time. And then he gives great favor and great blessings and great privileges to these great sinners who are recipients of his great mercy. And how shall we escape, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, if we neglect 
so great salvation. You know, it's interesting, most calamities in life, I don't know if I can move out of here or not yet, nope. Most calamities in life are caused by simple neglect. If we neglect to, to educate our children, they grow up ignorant. If we neglect to, to care after the things, our house and our car and, and the things like that, then they, then they decay, or your lawnmower, <clears throat> which I found is to be true. <clears throat> uh, think about a farmer who neglects his farm and, and weeds and briars grow up. They neglect to sow seed and, and they have no harvest. They neglect to harvest and, and it rots in the field. And I wonder if we're neglecting so great salvation. Truly understanding the cost. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, he says, consecrate these last moments, last minutes to lonely thought. And if deep repentance be bred in you, it will be well. But if it lead to a humble faith in Jesus, it will be best of all. Oh, see that this day pass not away, and you, an unforgiven spirit. You know, I, I, I went to, 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 to uh, I've heard stories, I've known people that have gotten saved in Bible school. I've known MKs, some missionary kids that got saved on the mission field. So I'm not, I say this knowing that I'm preaching to the choir. But we never know when we're in the midst of someone who needs to hear the gospel. And something that costs so much should not be neglected. So if you're here today and you have not trusted Jesus Christ in your as your Savior, I pray that you would consecrate the minutes that we spend together this morning and that you would not walk outside this door an unforgiven spirit. That this day would not pass away without you knowing for sure that you're a child of God, that you've been forgiven and you've accepted that personal free gift of salvation. And Christians... This cost demands something of us as well. This cost demands our reasonable service. It demands our obedience and our faithfulness. It demands our grace and our purity. It demands our patience and our sacrifice. It demands our selflessness and our commitment. And it demands our unity, which in the days to come, we're going to need. Most of all, it demands our persistent sharing of this great salvation. That's our purpose. And why is that? Because he lives, we live. And because he conquered, we conquer. And because he paid the price, we get to go free. Secondly, the scope of this salvation. We're looking at a number of verses today, all which are familiar to us. But the scope of this salvation is simply this. Whosoever. Whosoever. And that's the gospel. We think of, again, with John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That's the entire world. That's everyone that's ever lived in the world, everyone that who, whoever will live in the world. That God loved them all. And he says that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, that's Jesus, should not perish, should not be separated from God for eternity, should not be cast into the lake of fire, but have everlasting life. They shall be saved. <clears throat> what John 3.16 does not teach is that there's some select group out there, that there's some elect group or, or some chosen group of people or, or predestined people. It clearly teaches that God loved the world, Jesus died for the world, and that whosoever will can be saved. The scope of this great salvation includes everyone and it excludes no one. 
regardless of your social or financial standing, the color of your skin, your nationality, your political party, your occupation, your lifestyle. <clears throat> now many times over the years I've, I've talked to people that they said, you know what, I just got to give, give up this sin or this vice or I need, to, I need to stop doing these things to be saved. And I said, no, you need to come to Jesus Christ. Jesus will make that transformation in your life. You need to come as you are. You need to recognize that, that because you are a sinner, that you cannot pay, you can't not work your way to heaven. You, there's nothing you can do to pay that, but the price, the penalty for that, that, that payment has been made by Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what family you were born into. You know, we talked to some people that said, well, you know, our family, I went to church since I was a, a wee little child, and uh, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> my grandpa was a preacher. My dad was a preacher. It doesn't matter. This great salvation is whosoever will can. Second Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, God has no joy in seeing a lost soul to Satan. He has no joy in seeing a soul condemned to hell's fire. We serve a loving God, but we need to recognize that that loving God is a just God, that loving God is a righteous God, that loving God is a, is a holy God. Scripture tells us thrice, he's holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So without apology and, and in love, I want to say this this morning, that, that if you're here, or the people that you're ministering to, people that you're sharing this gospel with, if you or they die in their sins and they wake up in hell's fire, it will not be because they were not elected. It will not be because they were not chosen or they were not selected. It definitely will not be the will of God. And it will not be God's fault. It will be because of, of your or their stubborn will. And we've all got them. It'll be because of their rejection It'll be because of their refusal to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. It will be their neglect of so great salvation. And Jesus came into the world to save whosoever from whatsoever. I like that, because that's me. Whosoever from whatsoever. Jesus came for the Jew and he came for the Gentile. He came for the rich and for the poor and for the bond and the free and for the down and the out. He came for the murderer and for the fornicator. He came for the liar, and he came for the, for the thief. He came to save sinners, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And this invitation was here for whosoever. All are invited to come, and whosoever shall come shall be saved. And how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Isaiah 53.6 tells us that all we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. All mankind has went astray. All have sinned. All come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. We have all gone out of our way. But the God of all creation, Jehovah God, laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. And Jesus paid in full that penalty to every sin that has ever been committed by every person. The scope of this great salvation is simply this, whosoever. Whosoever will may drink freely 
of the water of life and be saved by the great God, God's great grace of God. And how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? I've been thinking that over continually this week. How shall we escape if we neglect that salvation? Again, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I trust you'll walk away having heard the gospel. You'll have heard the knowledge of it. You'll have heard the truth of it. And you'll need to make a decision that Joshua talked about. You'll be held accountable for that. And Joshua said, choose ye this day whom ye will serve. Romans 10, 14 says this, How then shall they hear, how shall, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher, without a herald, without a proclaimer, without a public crier? That's us. How are these people that so, 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 much, of a, so much cost, cost so much and is available to so many, how will they hear if they don't hear from, from our lips? You know, oftentimes, how many times we hear about Jesus is coming again. Might be today. You might be hoping he comes in the next couple minutes. <laughs> might be next week. It might be before my next grandbaby's born, or might be before my, my daughter or my son gets married. It, it could be this week, it could be this month, it could be this year, but Jesus is coming again. But do we truly believe that? If we believe that Jesus Christ could come before the end of this, this evening, everyone we come in contact with, with would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we, if we were told in an hour, you have an hour to tell people about Christ and Jesus is coming back, I'm guessing everybody would sprint out of here and find the first person they ran into and tell them about the gospel. So we, do we really believe that it could be at any moment? Or do we consider it? Do we, do we think about those things as we should? <clears throat> there, was a, there was a time that uh, that was the case for me. Every, everyone that I came in contact with, I tried, and, and it, well, you weren't always successful, but you always tried to somehow share the gospel, even in track or in word or in deed. I remember the kids and Kay and the kid girls would go to the mall and I'd, I'd find a bench with somebody sitting there and I'd look for them and I'd sit down and I'd strike up a discussion with them and, 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 and tell them about the gospel. Every waitress we had, every, every person that checked us out at the grocery store, every person that I came in contact with heard the gospel. I remember there was a Sunoco station up in, by uh, Richmond's in, in Sharptown. It was, I was working at DuPont over in Newark, Delaware, and I would get enough gas in the morning to get me to work, get me home, and get me back to the gas station. It would force me to see that man every morning. And that's not the case anymore. It's sad to say. In Sunday school, we're talking about the, 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 the church at Emphasis, and it talks about how they lost their first love. You know, they were doing everything they were supposed to be doing. Traditionally, they had their act together, but they lost their first love. The good thing is, God tells us there that we can repent, that we can get back to where we were, and that we can find our first love again. 
first in its cost and secondly in its scope. Because he lives, we live. And because he conquered, we conquer. And because he paid the price, we get to go free. And how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Thirdly, it's climax. It's the things we look forward to after salvation and eternity. Titus 2.13 says this, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm looking forward to that glorious appearing. Amen? Amen. Some days more than others. <laughs> salvation saves us from three things that we're going to look at. It saves us from the penalty of sin, it saves us from the power of sin, and it saves us from the presence of sin. First, salvation saves us from the penalty of sin. Romans 6.23 says, the way, For the wages of sin, again, some very familiar verses, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians 2.1 tells us that we were born or we were dead in trespasses and sin. And Ephesians 2, 4 to 6 says, But God, who, in, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins. See a pattern developing here? We were dead. We were dead in sins. But the Bible tells us he hath quickened us together. He, has made, he, has, he made us alive together in Christ Jesus. By grace are ye saved. And then it goes on, it says, He hath raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places toward, uh, places in Jesus Christ. He took us from death to life because he lives, we live. The salvation saves us from the penalty of sin. Secondly, salvation saves us from the power of sin. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Not with our power, but the power of God. God's conquering power. Um, I've, I've read that Billy Sunday used to stand up on the platform and dare God to come up, or dare Satan rather, to come up and fight with him. I would not recommend that. <laughs> Satan's, Satan's powerful. But my God is more powerful. My God can conquer sin. My God can conquer Satan. And my God can conquer the power of sin and, and, and it, what it has over my life. 1 John 4, 4 says this, You are of God, little children, and overcome them, because greater is he that is in you, that's the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within us, as John 14, 20 tells us, than he that is in the world, that being Satan. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory. One of my favorite songs is Victory in Jesus. Because this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. That conquering power, because he conquered, we conquer. Salvation saves us from the power of sin. Salvation will, number three, at the end of our life, save, save us from the presence of sin. Psalm 1611 says this, Thou wilt show me thy, uh, the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right, at thy right hand there are pleasures evermore. That sinless eternity. What a wonderful day that will be. I can't understand a sinless eternity. I can't even understand an eternity. I can't, I can't comprehend what that, what that is. D.L. Moody said this about eternity. He says, how little we realize the meaning of the word eternity. He said, the whole time between creation, the creation of the world, and the end of it, 
would not make a day in eternity. He goes on to say this, in time, eternity is like the inf uh, infinity, infinity of space whose center is everywhere and whose boundary is nowhere. <laughs> I still don't understand it. <laughs> but we get to spend that eternity, we get to spend that time, the benefit of all those things, the, the, the climax of our salvation, we get to spend with God for eternity. That's amazing to me. And how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? It's great first in its cost. It's great secondly in its scope. And great thirdly in its, in its climax. How can we neglect this? How can we neglect, again, if you're here today and you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, it's as simple as this. As God says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you've sinned one time in your life, that's enough. God tells us that you cannot pay the penalty, the payment that's due. But God did. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God sent his son to pay the price, to pay the penalty, and he makes it available for you to take and to put on your account. And all you have to do is believe it and receive it. It's that simple. Sometimes I wonder if we try to make it more difficult than that. It's a simple plan, but it costs so much. It's a simple plan that is available to so many. And it's a simple plan that provides such rewards. How can we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How can we not perform our reasonable service? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you for your goodness, Lord. Father, we thank you for, uh, for this salvation that was provided to us so free, Lord, recognizing how much it cost you, how much it cost heaven recognizing the scope of it, Lord, and thankful that no one is left out, no one is excluded. And Father, we look forward to the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Until that day, Lord, I pray you'd burden our hearts, you'd burden our souls, Lord, to share the truth of this gospel. As we leave these doors today, Lord, I pray you'd press upon each one of our hearts someone that we would contact and just share Jesus with. If you were to come tonight, Lord, they'd be lost forever. Father, I pray you'd give us that burden for your glory and for your honor. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Dave, for that challenge from God's word. I think our closing hymn, page 646, Lead On, O King Eternal, <clears throat> just supplements the message that we've heard that we are <clears throat> to be marching on, that we're to go into the fields and conquer. And this is all for God's glory and honor. And it's because people need the Lord. Page 646. Please stand.
facing a battle. We see it in our society today and the sinfulness that's there, the way in which our <clears throat> morality has changed from scriptural to whatever. <clears throat> and we need, O oh Lord, to accept this challenge, to march for your sake, to win souls for you, and to glorify Christ through it. And we ask these things as we leave this place in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>